This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start so let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101. Uh, got a special guest with me, got a new friend of mine. Uh, I should have asked you how to say your last name first, but I've got Marcus Gores. Is that yeah, right? That's exactly it, man. You got I it on the dot. Yeah. I nailed it. No, I've been practicing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Man, we're coming to you pretty late at night, uh, at least where I'm at. It is uh, it's 9 o'clock. I usually wind down about 10, so I'm sip, sipping on some Black Rifle to get me through it. But uh, we're going to have a good time and uh, talk hunting. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I am. It's 7 o'clock my time. I'm here on the West Coast uh, out of Oregon. I live just south of Portland. Uh, I'm in a little community here, and sun's setting, and it's beautiful. And uh, I'm just excited to be on and chatting with you and, and getting to talk hunting. Yeah, man. My uh, my boss lives in Oregon. My boss for Pope and Young lives in Oregon. And uh, when I first started working for Pope and Young, it was hard because I'd wake up and hit the ground running you know, about 6 a.m. and someone popped my mind and I call him and he'd be like, dude, it's 4 a.m. my time. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my bad, dude. And uh, so I had to really learn. And then he had to learn, oh, I, if I call you at nine, it's 11 your time. <laughs> or, yeah, backwards. It's, it's yeah. seven our time. So it's late for you. He'd be calling you. He'd be calling you at seven o'clock and be nine o'clock your time. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yep. we had yep. both. We had both had a learning curve, but no, I told you. I said, uh, I said, man, can we push it back to to nine ish? I get my kids in bed at, at eight thirty, and I said, there's just no way for me to record with those crazy kids in the house. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, sure enough, by eight fifteen, um, I was watching the Razorback game, and uh, I do got to give a quick plug uh, for the Razorbacks because uh, I got a lot of friends in Nebraska, and we just booted Nebraska out of the regionals. Uh, to move on to the super regionals. So all my friends in Nebraska listening to this, woo pig suey, because we just laid the rubber on you guys. Um, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll interject on that because it's go beeves all day, and uh, we've made oh, it. Uh, yeah, dude, shut exactly. your mouth. Yeah, exactly. My best, one of my best buds is is Ben Wetzler. I'll give him a quick shout out. Left handed pitcher. Uh, he's uh, just had a, a an a Achilles injury in the minors right now, but I've been a Beavers fan for a long time. I went to college there, and our baseball team is fanatics. I mean, they're crazy good. Now listen. 
you've you've just brought up a bitter time in my life. Um, so so the Arkansas Razorbacks are the number one team in the country as of right now. Um, but two years ago, we've never won a championship. Well, we, we won a basketball championship in my lifetime, but I was two, so that doesn't count. Um, <laughs> so we've never won a championship in any sport other than track um, since I've been alive. Which track two doesn't count. Ago. Yeah, it doesn't count. <laughs> If you can't pronounce their last names, it doesn't count. count. Uh, Two years ago, we were in the World Series against Oregon State. Yep. And it was game three, one to one. We led, and there it was the bottom of the ninth, two outs, two strikes. Walk off. No, not even. Well, let me get there. (laughs) There's a pop fly in the air. So you've got two outs, two strikes. You can't be in any sport in the world. You can't be closer to a championship than this. You've got two strikes, and you've got a pop fly in the air. And we have three guys surrounding this pop fly. It lands right in between all three of them, and my soul was crushed. And That's the that's the who's on first game. Nobody oh knows exactly who's supposed to grab it. Oh, dude. <laughs> and then you go, you, you, you start thinking to yourself, okay, you still just need one strike. You still just need one strike and then a stinking walk off and we lose the game. And uh, my my soul has never been the same. And now I hate everybody from Oregon because of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, go beeps. <laughs> <laughs> but sure enough, sure enough, uh, right right about 7 or 8.15, I'm trying to watch the Razorback game. It's like the bottom of the ninth. It's a heated game. My wife is yelling at me to come upstairs. I'm like, what do you want, girl? And uh, so I walk upstairs. And this will just this will tell you a little bit about my kids. My boy's two years old, and she says, "Look out the window," and I'm like, "What?" And I look out the window, and my son is buck naked, right in my Delta McKenzie hog target, like a horse, just buck naked. <laughs> and so for a moment, I'm like, "That's my boy right there." And uh, and then he hops off the target and starts peeing on it, and I'm like, "No, hey!" And I start yelling at him. So he moves over to the goblin target. And uh, finds one of their little kid arrows that they sh- out there plank with their little bows, and uh, and he's just he's stabbing the goblin target right in the face, and I'm just like, man, now I'm back to being proud dad again. <laughs> and how old is your son? He's two. Yeah, that's exactly but what he's got you the need. Killer instinct. He wants yeah. to pee on him and then kill him. Yeah, uh, I mean, apple far from the tree. I don't doubt it. Not at all, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome my parents, my parents could tell you some 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 stories but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna share my own dirt but uh, my parents would happily do it that's awesome i don't have children yet my wife and i talk about it often and uh we're avid outdoorsmen and women my wife's a killer and uh we we talk about having children and, and i hope they are uh you know just as as fun as i was as a child and 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 have those same type of experiences that you had just this evening. You know, the, the, the memories that you'll make for a lifetime with kids and are, are awesome, especially, you know, when you get them into the outdoors and bow hunting and any type of hunting, really. I mean, I remember my first red rider, um, lever action. I remember, you know, my first target shooting and, and those are some of the best memories I have with my, my father. And so I, I'm sure you're building up those in the memory bank and, and cherish those. So that here's another one for you tonight. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I used to go to work every day, and my coworkers would be like, "You got a Harper story? Harper's my middle one, and she was insane." They're like, "You got a Harper story?" And I'm like, "Yeah, she did something, you know." And it would be something where she, you know, embarrassed us at public, or I mean, just always something. And uh, they always keep you on your toes for sure. 
That's funny. Yeah, that's awesome. Kids are awesome. Um, I would suggest to anyone listening to to have kids and continue to grow our our sportsman alliance and and to you know get them outdoors. But don't have them or don't try to have children around the months of uh, February or March. Uh, <laughs> you will ruin your hunting seasons. Uh, my wife and I plan to not have children at that time. I make an ongoing joke. It's not true, but I always say that her and I, my wife and I, my wife, Kate, uh, we don't sleep in the same bed in the month of February because that's prime rut for us in elk season. And, <laughs> and I don't want to be in a hospital or celebrating birthdays while I should be elk hunting. Now, listen, <laughs> dude, now, now I was dumb and, uh, my, my middle one Harper was born on November 7th. And if I had deer to rut. literally, if I had to pick one day to be in the deer woods, it would be November seventh. That, that day. And yeah. uh, I read an article one time. It was like ten big buck killers. You know, Chuck Adams and and all these guys and Jeff Danker and I, I don't remember who else. But and they ask them, "What's your one day to be in the deer woods?" And you know, some of them said, you know, Halloween. Some of them said, you know, whatever, um, November fourteenth or what. But like four of them. Four of the ten to November seventh, and I'm like, that's my stinking luck. And I promise you, I was sitting in the hospital, dude, and uh, I think like four or five people were sending me pictures of giants on the ground. I'm just like, God, dang it. <laughs> the good thing was, was you know, I got two weeks off or whatever, and didn't have to go back to work, and uh, so I hunted the rest of the time. But uh, yeah, and then my son was born September second, so that completely cut out all <laughs> elk hunting for that year. That's so. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't heed my own advice, and uh, so tech tip of the day, gentlemen, um, don't do anything frisky on 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 Valentine's Day because nine months later is in fact the deer rut. So it, uh, and it's, it's even more difficult for me. My birthday's February 11th, so I got my birthday and Valentine's Day back to back. So we'll see. My like I said, the 15th, se- so separate, se- separate beds the month of february that's how it has to happen is, is your is your preferred day in the woods still november 7th um no uh i i actually um i've actually moved it back quite a bit um i just the last three or four years it's really been closer to november 20th for me uh yeah. when things you know here in kansas um things are so fired up november 7th that it's 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 almost the worst time to hunt um it's just so hard i mean deer do not care what you do they do not care about you calling they don't care about you rattling or grunting i mean in that early part of november this year i had three of my my top three shooter bucks within 50 yards um but they were just running around like crazy men chasing does dumb 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 drunk just dogging does and I was like, man, and it was like so frustrating, dude. It would be like <laughs> the buck is on a beeline right to me and a doe comes by and he's gone. Yeah. Or or at one point, my number one target buck was at 40 yards and he was behind a tree. All I could see was his antlers. I needed two steps and he was dead. A doe walks by and he's gone. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Um, so if you move it back um, to about the 20th, uh, they've really come off of their does and uh, – and start responding really good to calls now at that point. And so, um, I moved it back to about November 20th for me, um, which actually the last two times I've killed a deer was November. Uh, the last two years was November 20th and November 21st. Um, I've, so I've, I've watched a lot of big bucks get killed the day after Thanksgiving or on Thanksgiving day. Yeah. And that's, that's tried and true where my father and I hunt. It's, it's, 
crazy. We, I mean, there's been so many Thanksgivings we've skipped out on just a late season route hunt. And, um, cause we don't get that. I mean, we don't have a whitetail season like you guys have a whitetail season in the Midwest. I mean, we're hunting mule deer or bench leg bucks, uh, in Oregon. And when I say bench leg, for those of you who don't know, it's like a weird crossbreed between blacktail and mule deer. So they have really dark horns. They have the forks, but they don't grow as tall tined as mule deer. Um, they have better mass. They kind of swoop a little forward like a blacktail. Um, but at any rate, uh, I've seen a lot of big bucks get killed with a bow on Thanksgiving and the day after Thanksgiving. And my favorite day to elk hunt is on my dad's birthday. Uh, I, I've been with my dad on probably seven or more of his own birthdays where he shot something, whether that's a stone sheep or mountain goat or big bulls or anything. I mean, we, we, I don't know what it is. He seems to always have good luck on his birthday. And I just love spending his birthday with him in the hunting season because it's, he's the guy that got me into it. My dad, Sean, he's an awesome guy. I mean, he's got stories for, I mean, he would, he would run a podcast longer than you'd want, but uh, <laughs> he's, he, he's the amount of time I've spent with him on his birthday in early September, um, either elk hunting, deer hunting. Um, we have a deer hunt planned this year. Um, we're archer deer hunting, um, in the Dallas, Oregon. Hopefully I draw our results come out on the 20th, but, uh, second choice we're supposed to draw. Um, and we're just doing, uh, my dad and my two uncles and me, uh, we're going out deer hunting, um, and it's over his birthday. So he always gets lucky on his birthday. I don't know how he does it. I don't know if he just waits, but he always shoots a monster on his birthday. Um, so those are my two favorite days to hunt, whether I'm the successful one or not, but it's always fun to be around, right? It's always fun to be in a camp with someone who's having a really good time and enjoying their day and, you know, just fulfilling their goals. Now my, uh, depending on the state i said november 20th that's for kansas mm. uh, depending on the state you get states like oklahoma or missouri and they run a late season you know into halfway or all the way through january and you you get those really cold snowy you know 10 15 degree days with snow dumping and if you've got food to hunt over um those late season days are unbeatable um you skip the rut altogether just go in the late season uh when those deer are are hitting the food plots daily and uh that's some of the best hunting you could ever have right there um so i always plan a trip down to uh i hunt at a, a place um liberty ranch outfitters there in oklahoma and i always reserve late season january uh to get out there because those times are are deer so so patternable and uh and they're they're so consistent on food trying to trying to build back after a hard rut and uh man those those times are just stellar to hunt i had a really unique experience um i got to hunt buffalo county uh in wisconsin and that's where wisconsin bigs wisconsin's biggest deer come from from what i hear i i'm not a I'm not an expert whitetail guy. I will never claim to be. I don't hunt whitetail as much as I'd like to, uh, but I had the opportunity to go hunt in Buffalo County over 600 acres. And if you know Midwest hunting, people hunt 20 acres and that's a lot of land. Um, You know, people hunt 50 acres. That's a lot of land. And you got 600 and you've got multiple different crops and food plots. Um, That was the time of my life. I hunted over Halloween. And it was in between, um, it was in between, 
uh, bow and gun season. And so we basically got to split it. So we hunted three days with our bows, three days with our guns. And I passed up on 150s, 160s, was hoping for a 180. Um, and, you know, the day after I left the neighbor ranch, they shot a 211-inch deer and a 221-inch deer. And that's not that many acres. Yeah, that's not that many acres to cross between. I mean, those deer are moving and cruising and, and finding food and and getting a little ruddy. It's a little early rut, but I mean, to see those type of deer come out of that area where I was hunting, uh, that's that's one of my only real Midwest hunting experiences. My my real whitetail experiences besides Texas. Texas has a special place in my heart, though. Um, if you've never hunted hill country deer. That is like nobody's business. A fun time. Um, Texas is one of the greatest places on earth. It uh, really is. Uh, I try to go twice a year. Uh, try to go for hogs and javelinas, and then try to go for for either axis or um, all dad. And uh, Texas is just such a fun, incredible place to hunt. So game rich. Yeah. Uh, now I do need to share this um, before we before we go any further. Um, quick thank you. Everybody knows that, that I've kind of taken the dive into traditional archery and I've committed to hunting with a trad bow for a year, um, exclusively. Um, wow. I, I can see myself just hunting with a trad bow forever now, uh, because it's just so much better. Um, so much more fun, uh, so much more satisfying. And so I do need to give a quick thank you to my friends who have helped make the transition as easy as possible. And that's my friends at three rivers archery. Um, they are a wealth of knowledge, uh, whether you're going to buy from Three Rivers or not, I encourage you, if you have questions, if you have concerns, give them a shout because they are a wealth of knowledge. Uh, but but they're also just the largest um, traditional dealer or retailer there is. Um, so same day shipping straight to your house. Um, they've got incredible prices. But not only that, they know the products they sell. Um, so if you've got any questions on the products, give them a shout. Give them a holler. They'll get you lined out on what you need. And, uh, and then they'll ship it same day to you. So go check out Three Rivers Archery. But I did this last weekend, and if you followed along on my Instagram stories, uh, you will have seen it. I did have my first um, traditional hunt, and uh, and it was a hunt in, in Oklahoma for hogs. And uh, it was heartbreaking. We hunted all day long, and the place we were hunting was just so incredibly thick. I mean, just we had pigs like eight yards from, from us, and we couldn't see them. We could just hear them. Um, and so it was just crazy thick. And so we hunted so hard all day long and I actually ended up getting sick. I don't know if it was like a heat stroke or, um, just exhaustion or dehydration or a combination of all of them. I don't know. Uh, but I ended up hurling and, uh, and then I was like, all right, we're headed back to the truck. We're done. Let's go home. And, uh, it was like seven o'clock and we're like, all right, we're calling it quits for the day. We got to drive back home two hours. So let's just get back to the truck. And my buddy that I was hunting with was like, dude, look, we're going to go back to the truck and there's going to be a pig 20 yards from the truck. We've done this all day long. There's going to be one 20 yards. And I'm like, dude, shut up. And, uh, like, I'm still a little, you know, just shaky and, and not feeling well. Sure enough, there's a pig 20 yards from the truck. <laughs> and so we see the pig, we get down, we make a stock on the pig. I get 22 yards from it. I draw back and this pig was a 20 pounder, tiny pig. But it was either go home empty-handed or shoot this 20-pound pig. And so I draw back, and I let her fly, and I hit that pig right in the butt. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. I like, And I can't express to you, Marcus, how hard I've been working at shooting a recurve. And 
I, I thought to myself, this this day, this hog hunt is going to be the defining moment in my traditional journey where it's like, okay, this is possible. Like, I can do it. But it was the complete opposite. Now, I'll give it the, I mean, I'm not making excuses. I made a bad shot. Um, but but I was shaky. I didn't feel well. Um, I really just, I mean, I couldn't execute my shot good. I just didn't, I don't know. I was just weak. And uh, And my buddy tried to make me feel better by saying, well, just think about it like this. If that was a 150-pound pig, you were still in the kill zone. Because on that small of a pig, I mean, you're talking seven inches from the vital yeah. to the butt. Inches, and, uh, yeah. And I said, well, listen, dude. I said, that doesn't make me feel any better because uh, one guy told me um, it was Harve Ebers. Um, it told me, he said, well, the center of an Advil is the same size as the center of a, of a bowling ball. Um, mm-hmm. So you just need to hit the center. And uh, But that's how my, my first traditional hunt came to an end. Um, I was disappointed, but I came home and, uh, told my wife and she said, well, that's why you switched to a recurve. Um, so it's hard and so it's fun. And, uh, so now I got to get back to work and get ready. Um, but I'm excited still, but that is a recap on my, uh, on my hog hunt from this week that, which was my first, um, kind of go at the, the recurve hunt. Uh, can I ask you what recurve you're shooting? The bear mag riser takedown. Okay. Phenomenal. So, I switch it all the time. Um, and not between recurve and compound. I switch it between compound and, and, and rifles. Um, basically whatever tag I draw, I'm hunting. And, uh, I, I, I am a savage arms ambassador. Um, I work, I work with them on a lot of rifle stuff. Um, though I do bow hunt a lot. Uh, but I told a friend of mine who, who kind of introduced me uh, to trad bows. Um, his name's Bob Borland. He's an awesome guy. Um, I work with him a lot on, uh, we have some archery changes here in Oregon with our elk hunting in, in Eastern Oregon. And I sat on a committee of folks who were working with ODF and W on how to, uh, come about the new changes that they wanted to implement, uh, to keep bull MO up and, or, or bring it back and, and how to make sure we have elk to hunt in the future whatnot. But this gentleman, Bob Borland, uh, has got me very interested in trad bows and I have a shoulder surgery coming up basically after my wife's pronghorn hunt. So we're going to Wyoming in October, uh, end of October to go hunt pronghorn. And as soon as that's done, I'm having shoulder surgery. And I told myself when that soldier shoulder surgery is done, I'm going to pick up a trad bow and I'm going to start, uh, Do it. you know, it's it's just you know whether it's it's for fun whether it's for practice whether i just want to go in the backyard and snap shoot uh, or or just learn it and be able to to get it down and say i can do it um and then try and pick it up with hunting but um we it, you know oregon's pretty neat because they offer a couple special uh seasons for trad hunters um so they give a, a couple special tags and and really hard to draw normal uh a, a normal weapon uh, units that, you know, trad hunters can draw very regularly. I mean, uh, so I figured, you know what, might as well challenge myself some more and, and pick that up. So I think October is when I'm going to jump into trad and, you know, try my hand at it and see how that goes. There's just no greater feeling. Um, you know, now that I've shot it uh, for, for four months or so um, every day, I take out my compound and uh, so I have a backyard range in my backyard and uh, I shoot off my deck and I have a shooting platform that's 12 foot elevated so I can shoot mm-hmm. off of that. And I took out my compound and now I've got targets anywhere from, from 12 yards to 32 yards. 
Mm-hmm. And with a, a, a recurve, you got to work to hit every single one of those. But then you take out your compound and it's just like, okay, well, I hit the 12 ring on every single one of them. So now I guess I'm done. Yeah. And it's just, you know, there's not ever that euphoric high of like, holy crap, I just stinking 12 ringed it, you know? I mean, there's yeah. never that like, but with a recurve, like when you hit the bullseye and when you hit the vitals, it's like, holy crap, I did it, you know? Yeah, um, that's like that's like me and gun hunting right now. It's like, I mean, that's how I feel. It's like, I can pick up a gun and I can be deadly. I mean, I, I shot a wolf at 650 yards, shot my antelope at 600 yards. I mean, it's cool, but I'd rather be 12 yards from something with a trad bow and, yeah. you know, 100%. be in there get them close and, 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 and have that experience. Um, that's, that's why I love archery hunting. I mean, no, I did. The, the, this weekend was a really cool deal for me. Um, so I had a buddy of mine, um, Aaron Z show interest in shooting a recurve. So I said, dude, come over to my house. I've got an extra bear, uh, super Kodiak you could shoot. And, uh, so he comes over and, and, uh, he just fell in love with shooting it. And so he's like, man, well, I don't want to shoot your arrows cause I'm going to dent them. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, lose them i'm gonna break them i'm gonna so i'm gonna order my own arrows and tune it to this bow if that's all right with you and i'm like i don't, I don't care man this bow's here whenever you want to use it and uh so he ordered some arrows and and he was going through my this is it was so cool he's going through my i was like well let me fletch them for you and so he's going through like my my selection of boning wraps and he's like dude i want these and uh he picks out the fred bear flannel wraps and i'm like <laughs> dude and i'm like listen to me here i was like these are actual and and a lot of people might not know this but those Fred Bear flannel wraps made by Boning are is, is an actual picture of Fred Bear's flannel, and uh, yeah. and they they transferred it onto wrap. So that's not like a replica. Like that's a picture of his actual flannel that he wore hunting. And uh, so I was like, dude, I want these. And so I told him that story. He's like, yeah, I want these. And uh, so I wrap his arrows and uh, I four flush them with some some trad veins and uh, white trad veins on that white, red, and black flannel wrap just looks stellar. Yeah. And, uh, so he was on that hunt with me and we were walking through the woods and we actually got to a place where the woods were kind of open and you could see, and he was maybe 25, 30 yards um, ahead of me. And I said, Aaron, and he turns around and I'm pointing to hogs and uh, like past him. Well, he thought I was joking because again, this, it was just so hard hunting. You couldn't find them when you did find them. They were in such thick stuff. You couldn't get a shot on them. And, uh, and so he thought I was joking. So he actually like didn't believe me and just turns to start walking again. I'm like, Aaron. And and I motion like walking and I point again. He could tell I was serious. And so he gets ready and he pinwheels this hog. I mean, absolutely <laughs> pinwheels with a recurve. And I was so incredibly excited. That video, uh, if it's not on my Instagram yet, it will be soon. But just incredible. And uh, I was so pumped up. And I, and I sent a picture to Boning and I'm like, dude, the only way that Fred Bear flannel wrap looks better is when it's soaked in blood and covered uh, in blood. And, we up, <laughs> and it was it was such a cool thing um, to see him get his first uh, kill with a recurve and and just over the moon excited for him, man. And and you know I'm not I'm not good with a recurve at all, but I know enough to help him get started. You right. know I know enough to help him get his bow tuned and get it flying good. And and we literally he got those arrows and uh, so Friday night in my backyard we're shooting right up till dark i mean we could barely see and in fact my wife had to go plug in like the 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 lights around the fire pit so we could continue shooting to get his bow tuned and uh so we get those arrows flying really good bear shaft tuned and uh so he's like well let's go fletch him and that's when he picked out his wraps so i fletched three arrows screwed broadheads on and he took it out the next day and just pinwheeled a hog and uh just 
one of my favorite hunting stories just because I got to, you know, it was one of those where I help him get started in, I help him tune his bow. I help him, uh, with a little bit of shot mechanics, you know, what I know about shooting a recurve and, uh, and then mm-hmm. he goes out and makes it happen. Just incredible. Yeah. I, I love to see others success, man. Uh, you know, in, in the day of age of the internet, um, there's a lot of folks that are, you know, oh, that bull isn't that big or that buck's not what it is, man. I just love to see people have a good time and, and be out there and be successful. Man, I, I, you know, when my buddies send me pictures of, of, you know, their, their spring bears or, you know, I didn't spring bear hunt this year, or, you know, uh, e- even down to fishing. I mean, I have friends who send me, you know, pictures of their, you know, salmon run fish that they caught their spring Chinook or this and that I'm stoked for them just as much as they were when they caught the fish or shot the, shot the deer or the bear. Um, you know, I, I, I just love seeing people get outdoors. Uh, that that's one of my biggest thing, you know, just seeing people love what I love and have that same passion is just awesome. I have a really cool archery story that has nothing to do with archery. You got time? Oh, dude, I've got nothing but time. My kids are in bed. I'm sipping <laughs> coffee. I'm just having a good time talking hunting. Um, so I, I went, um, I've been, so my, my goals in hunting, um, I didn't really know I had this goal until about four years ago, five years ago. Um, but I want to complete my super slam grand slam club Ovis. So I want to do all 29 big game animals in North America. And right now, as I said, I'm 16 to 29, I'm 29 years old. Uh, I'm not that old, uh, but I'm not that young. Um, uh, but I, I've been working on it. Um, I, I didn't really know I was close to reaching any of those achievements until a friend of mine told me about it, said, you know, you're dang, you're a couple animals away from your super 10. And I don't know what's that. So at any rate, um, I decided to start planning hunts based on achieving the super 10, um, which is 10 of the, you know, uh, 10 of the, uh, species of big game animals. So one deer, one caribou, one bear, um, bison or musk ox, cougar, pronghorn, elk, uh, moose, uh, so on and so forth. And so I started planning hunts to start knocking that off. In February, I finished my Super 10 um, with a bison. That's a story for another time. But um, I, I shot a doll sheep in Alaska in August um, of, of 2020. I booked the hunt on a cancellation, um, and I went on this hunt. Didn't know the outfitter. Um, I, I kept calling folks saying, hey, I'm willing to travel. I can pass a COVID test right now. Um, and I got a check ready for whoever has a cancellation for someone who can't make it. Whoever wants to bump to next year or whoever's you know can't travel or whatever, I'm, I'm in. Call me. So I called like 20 people down the list of uh, Alaska Professional Hunters Association. And I, I talked to a guy for, for about an hour. His name's Cabot Pitts. And he said, you know, I don't know of anyone that has a cancellation yet. But if I hear of anything, I'll call you. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, the 19 people before you said the same thing. I doubt it. I get a text at 4 o'clock my time the next day from Cabot that says, hey, call this guy right now. He's got an opening. He just had two people cancel. You can go on this hunt. And I'm like, all right, I'll call him when it's due time. You know, it's 4 o'clock my time, which means it's 3 a.m. Alaska time. Like, dude's not going to answer his phone. And he says, no, he's on the East coast. He's already up. Call him now or else it's going to be gone within 20 minutes. So I called him, Henry Tiffany booked the hunt. 
Went on the hunt, had an amazing time. Uh, my guide was Hunter Dane, awesome dude. I'm hunting with him in South Dakota next year. Uh, my wife and I are going on a hunt with him for mule deer, uh, just outside the Badlands, uh, West River. If you know South Dakota at all, um, he's starting an outfit out there. Uh, he's just an awesome guy. So I went on this really hard sheep hunt with him, and we made it happen. I mean, I had the time of my life. I had all the experiences that any sheep hunt has, uh, the tears, the smiles, uh, the frustrations, the excitement, everything. Uh, and this wrapped up into eight days of hunting. And I finally, I shot my doll sheep, and we pack it out. We get back to base camp 3 a.m., go back to, to the camp by the lake where we got dropped off in. We bear hunt for a couple of days, don't see a single grizzly, so we end up getting pulled out of there early. I get pulled out of the bush and dropped off at the lodge in Bettles, Alaska. And if you know Alaska, you don't know Bettles because it's nowhere. I mean, this is literally nowhere Alaska. There's a stopover town for planes to fuel up. You fly in and out of there if you're going on hunt. That's it. There's like nothing to do there. So I go back and I hit this lodge um, where there's another outfitter who's, uh, you know, putting folks up, um, you know, hey, here's a hot shower. Here's a change of clothes. Here's your bag that you brought um, on your fly in. I walk into the lodge and everybody's circled around the bar. And there's, you know, I say everybody, there's like six guys, you know, guides, uh, there's packers, there's some hunters, all listening to this guy speak. And first thing I want is a cold beer and I want some hot food. I've been eating Mountain House for a lot a long time and I, I just want a solid meal and I want a beer. And so I grab a beer out of the fridge, I warm some food up and then I look over and Jack Frost is sitting at the bar oh, my telling, Lord. telling archery stories. And I'm not bullshitting you. He flew in to hang out for a couple of hours and he's just sitting there and we're all mesmerized just listening to this guy. And I mean, if you guys don't know who Jack Frost is, if you know who Fred Bear is, you probably know who Jack Frost is. Um, he, he's, I mean, he, he's up there in archery hunters of the world. Um, you know, there's a few other folks that are in that list of names. Uh, I mean, it's Fred Bear, Jack Frost. Uh, and I can't even think of a third. I mean, you know, there, there's just so many folks that are uh, that are iconic, and he is one of them. And so I realize I'm sitting in the room with a gentleman who has done everything I want to do. All the goals that I have set for myself in my hunting career, this guy's done it and done it numerous times. And so I don't even warm food up. Like, I just grab a beer. And I, I haven't showered. I've been in the bush for eight or nine days. Like, I stink. All the guys, nobody wants to sit close to me. Like, it's been rough, right? And I'm just sitting there listening to this guy, asking him questions. And I'm just listening to every word he has to say. Talking about wolf hunting, talking about super cubs, talking about flying planes in Alaska, talking about all his hunts, talking about his most memorable moments, you know, things like that. And him showing us pictures. And this is awesome. And this is the first experience I have after an iconic moment, the first time I've ever shot a wild sheep, which a lot of folks won't have the opportunity to do. Um, if anyone can, do it. I promise you will you will not regret it. But I did it, and I had like I was on such a peak, and then I come back to this lodge, and I just boost times one hundred because I'm sitting here listening to Jack Frost tell stories, and I mean that was that's my archery story. That has nothing to do with archery because I gun hunted that uh, sheep. But that was, was awesome, man. Yeah, that was August of 2020. So that was, you know, six months ago. 
You know, yeah. Jack Frost, um, I did a podcast with him not too long ago, and uh, we were asking – you know, during that time, COVID was still going crazy. And so we were asking everybody, you know, how did COVID interrupt your, your hunting plans? And, you know, a lot of our guests were like, man, couldn't go hunting here, couldn't go hunting here, had to shut down an Alaska trip, had to shut down a, a, a Canada trip and an Africa trip, you know, all these hunts canceled. And Jack Frost was like, dude, I spent a month in Africa. I spent a month in Alaska. I spent two months in uh, Zimbabwe, you know, I spent two months. I mean, just crazy. I'm like, are you serious, dude? And uh, Jack Frost is is a legend, a legend. Yeah, he's. He, if you guys don't know who he is, if you're listening to this, um, look up Jack Frost, and it, not the snowman. I mean, this guy is. It, it, he's a killer. I mean, he's he's what I hope to be someday. He's achieved every goal I've ever wanted to achieve with hunting. Um, he's an awesome dude, and I really cherish the four hours I got to sit there and, and listen to him tell stories before I ended up you know, wanting to sleep in a bed. Um, but, um, awesome experience that I had, uh, speaking of COVID, um, I have, you know, same, same situation. If you ask me about, you know, what I had to push back, I booked a hunt because of COVID that doll sheep hunt, but I had hunts pushed back. So I was supposed to be in New Zealand last year and that got pushed back to this year got pushed back again so i'm now two years pushed back on new zealand so i'll do that in may i'm doing stag chamois and tar my wife's doing stag as well uh my father's coming he's doing stag chamois and tar as well um but i have an africa trip coming up that i was supposed to do last year uh in south africa um with hunter's hub mackenzie sims um and that finally ended up happening so i leave in literally 12 days. Um, in 12 days, I'll be in South Africa. I hunt there for 10 days. And then I uh, book from there to Mozambique. I'll be with the Hunters Inc. guys, um, Scott Engel, uh, Jackson Engel. Those guys are awesome. Um, I'll be hunting hippo, crocodile, Cape buffalo, sable, warthog in Mozambique. And then I'm just doing a mixed bag of planes game in South Africa. Um, so I got that coming up. Um, so, you know, it, it's been a, it's been a, you know, my plus minus on COVID hunting is definitely in the plus, uh, but I'm really excited to get on that New Zealand hunt and do stag, chamois, and tar, um, which has been in the minus. It's been pushed off a couple of years because of COVID. Um, but, you know, it'll happen when it happens. Um, it's supposed to be May 2022 now. Now, out of, have you ever heard of Frank Noska? I have not. Another guy to- that, yes. He's on his third Super Slam, and he's almost done with his third Super Slam. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's that's my short little plug for Pope and Young is you've got these guys. And uh, so I was at um panel in, in um, April, mm-hmm. and panel is where they bring in the top five species um, over the last two years uh, to basically re-verify and re-measure and make sure uh, the top five are good. And uh, so you have all these measures and they're just going crazy measuring and, and I'm just sitting there with a camera and, and social media promoting what they're doing. And uh, somebody says, Dylan, you need to meet this gentleman. And uh, he's like, this is Frank Noska. And I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, you know, they're talking like the dude is royalty. And I'm like, so, you know, I came my mind. I'm thinking, like, <laughs> I'm thinking like, you got a TV show, you got, you know, are you a writer? Are you a photographer? Like, 
how are you famous? And, uh, and then it finally came out like he's not known. He's not famous. He's not, nobody knows who he is. He's just a stinking bad to the bone hunter. And he's on his third trip of the super slam. And I'm like, good Lord. Um, and so my plan for tonight, I tried to get him nailed down. Um, he's actually a pilot to Alaska, which is why he gets to hunt so much, uh, because he'll just fly to Alaska, uh, you know, on his, on the, the flight, um, as the pilot and then stay for two weeks hunt and then, you know, fly back his next flight or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. and so I was really trying to nail him down for tonight. I wanted to have both of you on, um, for him to talk about the success in the super slam, uh, give you some pointers, tips and tricks. Cause I know that's your goal. And, yes. uh, you know, cause he talks about, you know, what animals were the hardest, what animals were the easiest, what animals. Yep. Uh, and so, that was my goal, and I still plan to have Frank on. So uh, tune in to listen to Frank talk about his his third round of the Super Slam, uh, which I don't know how much closer he is now. Uh, but when I met him, I think he was on twenty of the twenty nine for the on his third time. So I don't know if he's harvested any more um, since then. But uh, I'm anxious to have him on, and I'm anxious to uh, to hear the stories and and uh, hear the tips and tricks to get it done. Uh, but me and you have been talking. And uh, you mm -hmm. said it on this episode, you said, you know, um, I don't get to hunt whitetails as much as I want. And I said, well, I don't get to hunt elk or bear as much as I want. So let's trade. Um, so Coming I'm anxious out. to have you come to Kansas, man. I'm anxious to have you come to Kansas. I'm anxious to come hang out with you and uh, and do some, some hunt trading. Yes, I, I hunt a lot of, it's kind of crazy. You know, everyone talks about the, you know, in, in Oregon, we have like the big three. That's Mount Emily, Winnaha, and Walla Walla. And that's where you're going to go shoot a magnum bull. Everyone, you know, you need 20 points as a resident to draw those. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying I shoot, you know, magnum bulls every year. I, I don't. Um, didn't shoot a bull last year. Uh, didn't shoot a year the bull before because I was hunting with my father-in-law. And, and my goal was to get him a bull um, I, that was unsuccessful. He passed on a couple of bulls. But just in general, uh, I just love being in elk country. I just love screaming bulls with a bow. There's nothing like it. Um, you know, for those of you Western hunters, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, your heart's pounding, you're sweating, you're shaking. I mean, it's nothing like, I, I you know, to, to compare it to buck fever for those Midwest hunters or those whitetail hunters, it's like times a thousand. And I don't really know how to explain it other than you have something that's pissed off running at you and you're not stationary. You're not in a ground blind or you're not in a tree stand. Um, you're moving and shaking, you're chasing them, they're chasing you, you're moving around. But, uh, you know, the, the elk hunting here in Oregon, uh, what I'm getting at is I hunt a lot of over the counter and you can be successful with over the counter or very low point draw units. Uh, you know, I shot a 350 bull, uh, in a three point unit. Um, it's a common unit I hunt. I'm not going to tell you what unit, um, but if you want to come hunt with me, reach out. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I'm happy to take people and I'm happy to go show them some spots and, and go take them around and, uh, you know, but, but there's success everywhere. It's just what you determine is what, what is your success? Is your success being in the woods? Is your success harvesting an animal? Um, is your success, uh, you know, putting a, you know, 350, 360, 370 bull on the wall. So, you know, me, I just like getting out there. I like being in the woods, um, you know, I, this year's different for me. Um, I'm coming off of, uh, about a hundred day break of hunting and that's uncommon for me. Uh, I typically hunt about 120 days a year. And so that means a third of my year is spent hunting, whether that's waterfowl, deer, elk, 
out of state hunts, out of country hunts. I'm typically hunting 100 plus, 120 on average a year. And between my bison hunt that I did in Sonora, Mexico with Mesquite Mountain Outfitters to complete my Super 10, uh, I have not picked up a rifle and I've only shot my bow at 3D targets. Um, I haven't been hunting and that's uncommon for me. I would have spring bear hunted. I would have turkey hunted normally, um, things like that. So I'm kind of hitting the recharge button. But if, if you want to get out, man, come on by. Come out to Oregon or we can go meet halfway, go pick up an, a Colorado tag or go hunt Idaho. Man, I'm, I'm down for whatever. I'm always game to go out and and see new country and and figure out how to be successful in different states i'm i'm for that 100 percent. yeah man it'll be a good time i'll get you in the midwest you'll get me out west and uh we'll have a good time there it is we uh might we might have to head down man i, I really have fallen in love with with uh hunting in oklahoma and uh and again it, it's uh it's just a place and and you know liberty ranch is a special place it's a it's it's an incredible place to hunt but Oklahoma is is a place where you in parts of the state you can be hunting in what feels exactly like the Midwest and then what feels exactly like South Texas and then what feels exactly like out west and I mean it's just a, a state that offers so much different kinds of hunting and it's just yeah. incredible. Yep. Yeah. And I haven't experienced that. I, the furthest west I've hunted uh, was probably Wisconsin. Uh, or excuse me, the first East I've, I've ever hunted was probably uh, Wisconsin. Um, I've hunted uh, Texas a couple of good times um, with Lazy CK out there. Those are some great folks. Um, but, you know, I, I haven't had that experience I, I, and I want to. Um, my my cousin lives in, uh, lives in Nashville and he hunts Kentucky at his girlfriend's family's ranch. And he always invites me out to Kentucky to go hunt. But I, you know, it's always, you know, my prime time rut time. He wants to go chase, you know, 110, 120 inch deer. And I'm like, let's save that for another year. But yeah. you know, it, you know, K Kentucky's not known for, <laughs> for, for wall hangers, but uh, you know, Oklahoma does sound like an awesome time. Uh, yeah. It does. Good time, man. It's a really good time. Um, before we move on, let me give a quick thank you to my friends over at Minus 33. I'm a huge fan of Merino wool. I preach don't neglect two things, your boots and your base layers. If you've got good base layers and good boots, you can go the distance. You can stay comfortable. Uh, you can stay out there longer, ultimately being more successful. Um, I stumbled upon Minus 33 on accident. It. Uh, I was looking for some new uh, Merinos and I was on backcountry.com and they were on a big sale. So I placed an order and, uh, I, I literally, it, it, it changed. I don't, I, I don't want to go there, but out of all the other Merino I had, it was leaps and bounds better. And, uh, mm. and slowly over time, I just started switching everything over to minus 33 and they have, they have became my favorite, my favorite base layer on planet earth. So if you are in the market for new base layers, if you are in the market for Merino wool, Go check out minus 33. I had a buddy yesterday and uh, we were out on a hike and uh, we hiked all day long, put in, I don't know, five miles. And uh, and he had never experienced minus 33 or I'm sorry, he had never experienced Merino wool. And so I pull off my socks after that. And I'm like, do you trust me? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, smell these. And uh, so he buried his <laughs> nose in them and he's like, what the heck, dude? And I'm like, that's Merino wool. And, uh, and he said, where do I buy this stuff at? And he said, how do they treat it? And I'm like, no, it's, that's, that's the wool. That's just the property of Merino wool. And, uh, 
and he was just blown away. So if you've never, if you've never tried out Merino wool, give it a shot. Um, and, and if you are in the market for some Merino wool, check out minus 33, because if you don't neglect your base layers, you will be comfortable and you will last longer. You'll stay more comfortable, uh, ultimately meaning more success. Now, are you big into cooking wild game? Man, I am. So we, <laughs> um, I have three freezers <laughs> And, and I think every, uh, you know, a lot of Western hunters have this, uh, the same, uh, problem. Um, you end up having one meat freezer and then you spill it over with, you know, frozen pizzas and some ice cream tubs. I have three meat freezers that are strictly meat. Um, I have two standups and a chest. Um, but I cook all wild game. I cannot remember the last time I bought meat at a store. Um, my uh we, we actually so savage came out they just released a new uh shotgun this last year it's the renegade and uh, i shot it my last waterfowl season um it's a stout gun it's uh well balanced um it's gas powered shameless plug uh, i really enjoyed it um, i'm going to be hunting uh cold bay or kodiak with it this upcoming year or next year um but we had a big duck cookout when they sent a film crew out and we literally save all of our ducks for one good weekend. So we breast out all our ducks and we had duck gumbo. We had duck nuggets. We deep fried. We triggered. We did, duck, uh, you know, 15 different kinds of ways and watched the, uh, we watched the Mayweather fight. Um, so that was about that time. And uh, the film crew here had never experienced duck cooked in so many different ways. And it was an awesome time. Uh, but yeah, we, we cook a lot of wild game. Um, we, let me see. So we've been eating a lot of the bison that, that I shot in, in February down in Sonora, Mexico. Um, and my neighbors, I mean, I gifted a lot. Um, you know, so we're still eating on a moose I have. I got about a quarter moose left. Um, I have about 550 pounds of bison that are brought home from Sonora, Mexico. Um, I've got a little bit of elk. I've got cougar. Um, I eat cats as well. As long as you don't think about it, it tastes just like pork. You just can't think you're eating a cat. Um, anything, realistically, just about anything I kill, I'm going to eat. Um, I'm not one of those guys who says, I, I only hunt to eat. Uh, that's not true. I hunt for the experience. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Africa in 12 days. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm hunting for the experience. But at the same time, you know, if I had the opportunity to, to salvage that meat and, and keep it and, you know, feed my wife, my family, my in-laws, my parents, my sister, everything, uh, we're going to, and we do, um, same thing with fish. So we eat a lot of wild game. I am the same way. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I got to tell you about these guys. You'll have to check them out. Rebel six rubs. You can go over there and, uh, they've got nine different rubs and they're for all different wild game. Um, so they've got, you know, everything from white tail to Midwest fish to, to sweet bear and spicy deer and elk rub and, and all of these different wild game rubs um, designed to bring out the taste of each one of those animals. And so um, if you are big on wild game, man, check them out because uh, I've fallen in love with them all. I, I, I'm into that. I, I am, you know, my wife and I, we, she handles all the side dishes. Um, she is amazing at that. I am a cluster in the kitchen, but if you get me on the grill, uh, I'm loving it. Uh, so I, I'm definitely yeah, into that. I'm all, about, I'm all about the rubs, the seasonings, all that stuff. So I'll have to look at Red Rebel Six. I'll give them a look up here after this podcast. Yeah, man. And you and anybody else use Bear One Hundred and One, you'll get twenty percent off. 
And uh, let me just give you a little pro tip. Order the sweet bear rub and then sprinkle it over some bacon when you're frying it. And it is just, oh, my Lord, have mercy. I'm going to go, dude, it's 10 o'clock my time, but I'm about to go fry up some bacon <laughs> and just throw down. I, I've i got the coffee running through my veins now, and uh, I might as well just fry up some bacon and, and uh, have a good time doing it. <laughs> Speaking of bacon, we had south of the border bacon not too long ago. Uh, we were in February. Uh, I went and finished my Super 10, and that was with a bison. And so free-range fair chase. We went down to Sonora, I hunted coos deer, so I knocked off another deer, deer subspecies out of my list. And then my wife flew in, and then we went went and hunted bison, uh, free-range bison on this uh, uh, basically no-fence cattle ranch. They just roam between ranch to ranch, and if you catch them, great, you can kill one. Um, but we were hunting, and, and there's a really cool video. Um, Savage put together an awesome video for it. I shot their impulse. It's their new straight pull. Um they they uh, they created a straight pull. It's it's like a blazer, but it doesn't come with the the price tag of a brand new Ferrari, um, which is nice. So I shot that rifle uh, when I was bison hunting. My wife grabbed the rifle out of my hands and shot a javelina at about 250 yards, running. Missed the first shot, dumped the second. Just perfect vital shot. Um, but we ate that javelina, and um, like I said, we try everything we eat. Uh, we try everything we kill and, and we ate just about everything. So we had that javelina that night, javelina ribs, pork ribs, basically. And they were stout. Uh, they do it right down in Sonora, Mexico. You know, I had heard such negative talk about javelina. And uh, I was in the southernmost part of, of Texas last year. So funny story. We could literally see the border from where we were hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, we could see the border and... Uh, we actually this was this was the day last year in 2020 where Trump uh, issued a state of emergency, and so all the borders were closed off. And we had actually been telling our wives all day long um, this evening we're going to go into Mexico and get some tacos. And so that day, um, Trump issued a state of emergency and uh, shut all the borders off. You know, COVID, blah, blah, all this and that, and. Uh, one of my buddy's wives called and he said, listen, um, I don't, I don't know how to tell you this. Uh, but we went into Mexico to get tacos and now we can't get back and (laughs) we won't, we won't be back for the foreseeable future. Um, you know, it could be, it could be six months and, uh, and he's got, you know, four kids back home, three kids back home. And his wife was like, what? And so, of course, before you know it, our phones are ringing. It's our wives because she called them and said they're in Mexico. They went to get tacos, the idiots. And and uh, <laughs> and so I uh, I told my wife, I said, well, babe, don't worry about me. We'll be OK. She said, I'm not worried about you, stupid. I'm worried about being stuck at home with the kids for six months. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's- so, yeah. And then sure enough, the next year we we're in Mexico. I'm sorry. The next year we're in, in Texas hunting. Uh, they said, Joe Biden is your president. And I'm like, man, I'm done coming to Texas because every time we come to Texas, something bad happens for our nation. You get get bad news. (laughs) No kidding. One year it's a national state of emergency. The next year it's even worse. So, uh, I I think I'm done with Texas for a bit. No, I actually, um, (laughs) there's another thing that I've learned about hunting. Don't hunt hogs when the Razorbacks are playing a sport, uh, because either I hunt bad uh, or the Razorbacks play bad. 
Um, mm. and so I've learned that too. And, and sure enough, man, I was on that traditional hunt for hogs and, uh, the Razorbacks played great. We won, but I shot a hog in the butt. So yeah, I was like, man, I got to quit doing this to myself. Yeah. It'll happen. I, 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 uh, I have weird, everybody's got their weird kind of, um, you know, uh, I, I hunt bad when I, or it's always a bad situation when it's and mine is full moon. And I actually, it's, it's kind of, it, you know, it makes some sense. I don't hunt in full moons. I just don't, I don't waste my time. Uh, and it's a thing. I mean, within my hunting group, my father, my uncles, we we don't hunt in full moons because it's never good hunting. We end up, it's camping. We end up camping, barbecuing. We have a good time, but it's never good hunting. But I don't, I don't have any sports teams that align with my hunting system. Um, although my blazers did get knocked out of first round. Uh, I will note Damian Lillard. I hope you stay for another year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't have any, any of those, um, voodoo charms or, or anything like that, but you don't trap, uh, we, trap beavers. No, no, I don't. <laughs> we, we can't. <laughs> it's our state I, uh, animal. Really? I did yeah. not do that. Yeah. State animals, beaver and state duck or state bird is a duck. Really? Yeah. Don't go touching any of those. I mean, you can touch Those're ducks. Yeah, I, you'd think, but not really. Uh, a, lot of, my, uh, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of blue necks in the city. Yeah, my boss, my boss, who's in Oregon. Every time I hear him say, "I'm from Oregon," he says, "Not from Portland." Bingo. <laughs> yeah, no, he knows. Uh, he, wise man, wise man. And it's Oregon, not Oregon. Uh, a lot of Midwest get those uh, confused. Um, now, here's what makes me mad. I grew up in Arkansas. And uh, now I live in Kansas, and they all make fun of. They say, "Well, this is this is you, you live in our Kansas," and uh, <laughs> and I said, "No, you live in Kansas." And, uh, and so that's that's my big debate. They're always like, "Oh, we're driving over the Arkansas River," and I'm like, "It's called the stinking Arkansas River, you dummies." Uh, so that's my <laughs> battle I have to constantly fight here. Um, man, you know Fred Bear was big on his field notes. Um, You've got to hunt all over the country, all over the world, in different countries. Um, what's a field note you've learned over the years? Uh, just a quick tip that I can take and make myself a better sportsman with. Man, you know, it comes down to elements. Um, my biggest thing is, and I, I learned this, and it sounds so silly. I learned this a long time ago, and I kind of forgot about it because I, I use equipment to eliminate it, but scent and wind are one of the biggest things that you have to pay attention to as, as a hunter. Um, if, if you don't, you know, if you don't pay attention to, you know, the scent you're putting off or your wind direction, you're not going to be successful. Um, and, and that's, you know, th- that's one of my biggest things. I learned this again, the hard way when I was bison hunting, you never think it would be so difficult to hunt bison until you have swirling winds. And they take off and they book and they're gone. I mean, they move 20 miles an hour, 20, 25 miles an hour, and they go to the top of these plateaus. So when I was in Mexico back in February, um, we had to hike eight miles just to get to the top of these plateaus to to find bison. And uh, it was like, you know, if we would have played our wind right, we wouldn't be dealing with this. We would be packing out a bison right now. So play your wind right um, and, and watch the scent you put off. Um, I'm a... I'm an avid user of Ozonics. 
Um, I, I use theirs whenever I'm in a tree stand or ground blind. Um, and I hunt tree stand, tree stand ground blinds when I hunt deer. Um, if you can try and eliminate some of your scent and play your wind direction properly, I would say do that. Um, you know, your equipment is your equipment. You're going to be successful if you give yourself the opportunity. If you stop your opportunity from happening, you won't be successful. So work on your opportunity as opposed to, you know, if you can have the best gun or the best bow, it doesn't matter if you don't, if you're not paying attention to your wind or if you're not paying attention to your scent, or if you're not paying attention to, you know, being able to get into, you know, get back there deep enough to get into, to good animal country, et cetera. So that, and my second one, they're kind of go hand, hand in hand. I would say they're tied for first boots are very important as a Western hunter. I put 200 miles on a pair of boots and they're done. They're toast. They're shot. Um, and I go through boots like nobody's business. If you don't have a good set of boots, um, you, you're, you're going to be uncomfortable and you're not going to want to continue to hunt. So just like your Merino wool, um, if you're not comfortable hunting, if you smell, if you sweat, if you're wet, if your boots are wet, if your feet are soggy, if you're uncomfortable in your boots, you're not going to have a good time. You won't want to be out there much longer. So if you take care of your feet, um, it, it's like the Forrest Gump change your socks every chance you get that type of thing. I, I mean, I, I abide by all of those. I, I pack more socks and underwear. You can flip underwear inside out, but you can't flip socks inside out. <laughs> Trust me. <Yeah. laughs> so, no. um, you know, yeah. again, man, those are the two things I preach, um, base yeah. layers and boots. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I am a, I'm a huge fan of Schnee's. Um, they fit me really well, really comfortable. Uh, they last a lifetime. And if you pair a good pair of boots with a good pair of Merino socks, you're golden. Um, You're golden. And I remember, you know, I was the kind of guy that just ran to Cabela's or Bass Pro or Academy or whatever it was and bought whatever pair of boots were on sale. And, uh, and, and, you know, I thought, oh, I'm spending 150 bucks. They're going to be good boots or 120 bucks. They're going to be good boots. And I had no idea um, when I got my first good quality pair of boots, um, they were the Schnee's Outlook Evos and I put them on my feet and, uh, you know, I had no idea how, how much of a, I had no idea how used, how used, how used to I was to hot spots and blisters. Um, And and it changed my life, man, really did. I, I used to run Danners and I went from Danners to Krispies. And that is a night and day difference. Um, n- n- no offense to Danners. If, if you don't put miles on your boots, no problem. Put Danners on. But I'm the type of guy. I mean, I took my 61-year-old father-in-law on one day of archery hunting. We did 25 miles of hiking in a day. And if you're wearing the wrong boots and you hike 25 miles in a day, um, you're not going to feel good the next day. You're not going to want to get out of bed. And, you know, wearing Krispies, um, put me through to the next level, um, along with boots, you know, I, I use sheep feet, um, insoles, you know, uh, super feet, cheap feet, whatever insoles you want to do doesn't matter to me, but, uh, you know, take care of your feet because as soon as you start to get uncomfortable, you're not going to want to hunt anymore. You know, you talk about Merino. I just ordered more Merino, uh, before I go to Africa, I just got new shorts, got new gaiters. I'm going to break them in in the next week and a half, um, you know, and, and breaking in your equipment. Your equipment's not meant to break out on opening day. Um, that's an important thing. Um, you know, get used to, to hunting with your equipment on, shoot with your equipment on. It sounds silly, but, 
you know, getting, getting into August, I'm shooting with my full archery gear on. I'm shooting with the backpack on. I'm shooting with, you know, my short sleeves or my long sleeves, uh, you know, all my, all my camo, my sick get up, all that stuff. I'm getting used to what I'm going to have to do in the next coming 30 days of hunting that I have. So, you know, just, just prepare yourself, just get ready for, you know, what you're going to be, uh, reenact or, uh, emulate what's going to happen in the future, you know, create your situation of how you're going to be successful in the next coming season. Um, that's, that's my biggest thing. You know, people tell me all the time, I'm, I'm crazy for, packing my, you know, two man tent and my pad and my water bladder and all that stuff and going and walking around the neighborhood, putting on three, four miles every afternoon after work. I mean, I'm just trying to get used to what I'm going to have to deal with for 30 days out of my season. And when you get used to it, you don't think about it when it comes time to actually hunt elk. You're thinking about hunting elk or hunting deer or, or whatever you're hunting. So you just get used to what you, what you do and, and, you know, you, you don't think about it much, but everybody's shooting in gym shorts and short sleeves all summer long. And then it comes time to pull a bow back and you got a long sleeve on, you're dealing with something that you're not used to. So, you know, absolutely, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I, I hate to say practice makes perfect because if you practice terribly, you're going to perform terribly. But if you get used to your situation, um, you'll be better off when it comes time for execution. You know, I, uh, I put out a, a field note video um just just monday and uh put out a field note video monday about practicing how you hunt and uh that was the exact you know i put on my bino harness i put on uh you know i put on a a hoodie and then once it gets later in the season i'll put on a big jacket uh to shoot and uh you know every morning i start my morning with with uh you know coffee and uh doing some cardio and shooting some arrows and, uh, and that's what I do. And I, and I'll do, you know, I'm no Cameron Haynes and, uh, don't want to be, but shout out, this is another Oregon boy for you right there. But, um, yeah. but no, I'll just, you know, I got, there's, there's a, a set of 20 stairs on my deck. And so I'll run up down the stairs five times, shoot three arrows, run up down the stairs five times, shoot three arrows, uh, get myself out of breath, get myself tired and, and suck and win before I shoot. And, uh, you know, if I did more of that, maybe I wouldn't have missed the hog that I missed, uh, because I would have been used to, to shooting when I'm shaky and weak and tired. And, and, uh, but you know, that's just kind of what I do. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'll do it with boots on and I'll do it with bino harnesses and I'll do it with, you know, a face mask on and I'll do it with, you know, I'll put gloves on and, and put my tab on over the glove and whatever. Um, uh, but I'll try different scenarios, uh, to, to try to mimic that hunt as much as possible. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, like I said, I built that shooting platform just so I could practice shooting from, from elevation. Um, but then I'll even go, you know, underneath the deck and get on my knees and have to shoot out from underneath the deck to hit the targets. And so I try to practice all those things, man, because you never know how the shot's going to come when you're hunting. And, uh, and, and like you said, it's not going to be, and I even took it a step further. I said, uh, in that video, um, in that video, I said, you know, these dudes practice on bag targets and block targets all year long. But when a whitetail steps out, there ain't no dot to aim at. And, and, and then they mm-hmm. find themselves frantically trying to, you know, trying to figure out how to aim or, or how to execute a shot because they can't hold a pin on a dot. And, uh, and so shooting three D's, man, you know, I'm a strong believer in shooting three D's and that's why, you know, I've got six different, uh, Delta McKenzie's out in my backyard. I'll spread out because I want to make myself pick a spot on the target and shoot it. 
And, uh, you know, I don't even, I don't worry about eight rings and 10 rings and 12 rings. I worry about find a spot on that, on that animal where I would actually want to hit it to kill it and, uh, and execute a shot. So I, I hardly ever shoot at, at, at block or bag targets with spots on them unless I'm sighting in a bow. But, uh, yeah. but, but when it comes to let's practice, I want to practice like I'm going to hunt and that's on, on real life 3d targets. And that's, you know, tired and weak and on my knees or, or standing up and on a platform or, or hunched over trying to send one underneath a branch, whatever it might be. Uh, but I want to emulate as much of that hunt as I can. So yeah, that's pretty good, my, man. my buddy, Brian Spitzig's doing this right now. And he's a sheep guide up in uh, Canada and he's running his stairs. Kind of like you're talking about, he might have 20 stairs. He might have 40 stairs, whatever it is, but he's putting on 45, 50 pound packs and he's running up and down them until he can't breathe. And then you shoot. Um, you know, you, you have to be ready for it. And, um, you know, something I do, I have a block target. I don't get the 3D opportunity as much as I want. I have a block target, but my awesome wife, Kate, goes out there and, and she sits on, on the back patio and pours herself a nice big old glass of rosé and sits there and watches me shoot. And she calls out letters. And so she tells me where to shoot. And then I have to place it. So instead of shooting at the same circle every single time, I flip my target every time I shoot. You know, you got, you got so many sides to that target, it, it, it's a six-sided die. You know, you just flip it over, it's got a different side. Flip it over, it's got a different side. And I'll flip it every time, and I'll, and I'll say pick a letter or pick a circle, up or left, you know, or bottom right, or, you know, the letter B, or, you know, the, the top circle in the letter B, or directly in the O, or, or you know, the upper, uh, the upper part of the K, things like that. And so she makes me move around and focus on where I'm shooting and then when I get into it, you know, I'll start to hit these 3D challenges and, and start to shoot 3D and, and I'll bring a 3D target out eventually. But, um, you know, my office is awesome. Kind of how you're talking about how you built at your house. I don't have that opportunity in my house. I got 27 yards from fence to fence. Um, but in my office, I can, I can, you know, stretch my legs out to about 65 yards, 70 yards. And um, we have 3D targets sprinkled around. So I'm a general contractor by trade. So in my warehouse, in my upper storage, I go stand up there and I'm about 18 feet off the ground, about where my tree stands are. And then I have different 3D targets sprinkled around my warehouse that are, you know, different depths and in and, and different, different distances. And I do the same thing you do. And I usually hit that come late July into early August and finish through August with 3D. But when I want to pick up my bow again, you know, granted, I don't, I don't shoot my bow year round, um, because I'm typically shooting shotguns into end of February, beginning of March, hunting geese and hunting ducks, um, you know, and that's where my weekends are spent. And that's where my evenings are spent. Um, but when I when I do get to pick up my bow, I go back to my block and then I get in a 3D, just as you're saying, you got to get used to, you know, tucking it in the vitals behind the shoulder, right in the crease, you know, getting used to that kill zone, um, getting right in there in the vitals. And and you, you got to get used to it if you don't. Um, if you're used to shooting at a circle on a, on a block, you're not going to be ready for, you know, success when it, when you have that, you know, 180 inch white tail step out in front of you and turn and look, you know, you're not, you're not going to find the dot. All you're going to find is a real body. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, I try not to shoot the same shot every time. And that's why, you know, I also try not to shoot from the platform every time. I don't want to shoot yep. 12 foot elevated every time. Um, 
you know, because that'll, especially with a recurve, I've learned um, that, that shooting from, from an elevated platform will change your, your shot and your aiming tremendously. Um, So I don't want to, I don't want to find myself shooting from 12 foot up every time. Uh, So shoot from the ground, shoot, you know, shoot Shoot on knee. Yeah. Shoot kneeling, shoot sitting, shoot in a seat, shoot. I mean, anything you can think of um, to, to switch it up. But I do remember one time I was doing that same thing and I had a, a dice target and, uh, and my wife was sitting there and I, I said, all right, which one? She said, upper left. And I said, what are you talking about? It's, it was, it was, they were three in a line straight up and down. And I'm like, there's not an upper left. And I look over and she was just staring at her phone, not even looking at the target. She's like, upper left. <laughs> and I, I'm like, you, you're the worst. I'm just asking you to look at a target and pick them out, and you won't even pick one out. You're just, you're just naming them off. Uh, but she got away with like 20 shots, and and you know me thinking, okay, that's the one I'll shoot. But then she said upper left. I'm like, there's no upper left. They're in a three straight line. Um, so she didn't get away with it that time. But man, thank you so much for coming on, dude. It's been a real pleasure, and uh, you know I can't wait. Um, I don't know how long it'll take, but I can't wait to have you on again and talk about your completion of the Super Slam because I truly believe it'll come, it'll it'll happen for you. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping by by you know 35 that I'm done with my rifle slam and then I move my way into archery. I'm chipping away at my archery as I go on my rifle. Um, so my, my first goal is to get it done with the with a gun and then uh, get it done with a bow and then I, I either want to go I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna pick up trad and and try trad for the 29 or go handgun um, but I, I know you know being able to master the 29 uh, with one of those is a feat in itself but then to do it you know time and time again you know like the the gentleman you were mentioning earlier or the Jack Frost of the world. Um, you know, I, I want to be able to do it in multiple facets in different directions and with different weapons. And, and my goal is to just be successful at a lot of different things. Um, so, you know, I, I appreciate you having me on and, and I had a really good time talking to you tonight and I, I can't wait to get you out West or meet you somewhere in the middle. And, uh, whether, like I said, whether that's Colorado or we can actually both draw a tag or Idaho or wherever uh, I'm in, call me, I'm there. Um, we'll go out elk hunting or, or we'll get after some antelope or some mule deer or whatever. Uh, call yeah, me on there. It'd be a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. before we go, let me, let me give a quick thank you to my friends over at John V mesh. Uh, John mesh was a firefighter in the Kansas city area and, uh, died in the line of duty. He had a strong passion and desire for getting kids involved in the outdoors. Uh, so his brother, Jim mesh, uh, started the John V mesh Memorial scholarship and they hold events different events around the country to get kids involved in the outdoors. Uh, they hold one at the incredible E3 ranch here in Kansas. Um, and, uh, they hold these events to get kids involved in the outdoors and, uh, they work to raise money so they can actually give a scholarship to somebody, uh, looking to go into some sort of hunting field, whether that be, you know, game warden or parks department, whatever, uh, so they can give scholarships to people. Um, so go check those guys out, those guys out, consider, um, supporting them, consider attending one of their events um, because they are they're incredible events in and of themselves, uh, but also just the mission and the purpose they serve um, and helping get kids involved in the outdoors is vital. So go check out the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Um, they're the 363 Hunt Club on all your social medias. Uh, so go check them out. That was 
that was uh, John's firefighter number 363. Um, so go check out the 363 Hunt Club on all your social medias. Uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope you have a great week. And uh, Marcus, again, thank you so much for coming on, man. And I can't wait to yep. see uh, the completion <laughs> of the Super Slam. I appreciate it. I'm going to give a, a, a quick minor spiel. Um, for those of you folks who are listening and are not participating in your local state chapters for any of your conservation organizations, I urge you to join them, support them, and help them for your right to continue to hunt your species that you take care of um, and that you enjoy hunting. Uh, I sit on the board for Oregon Fanaz. Uh, we are the Oregon chapter for wild sheep. I'm a, a member at Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I'm a member at Delta Waterfowl, member at Ducks Unlimited, a uh, member of a lot of other state chapters for wild sheep and national wild sheep. Um, if you care about these animals and you want them to thrive, you want them to continue to be there for your children, your grandchildren to hunt, go be a member, figure out how you can help out and how you can continue to have these animals become around and, and stay uh, stable for your grandchildren, your children to be able to, to enjoy the same passion that you do. Um, that's my biggest advocacy is conservation and ensuring that we have wildlife for the future. Um, so for those of you folks who uh, hunt and are not members of any of your uh, Midwestern whitetails or your, uh, your Northwest Turkey Association, things like that, go ahead and join. Um, your membership means a lot to them and helps them raise money to be able to uh, stabilize uh, populations for the animals that you enjoy hunting and you enjoy being around and, and caring about nature. So, that, you know, me as a human is so little uh, drop in the pool in the sense of conservation and wildlife and what we care about as hunters, outdoorsmen and women and whatnot. So make sure you go join every chapter you can and be a part of uh, stabilizing uh, populations and uh, refurbishing habitat and taking care of animals. Um, it's it's one of the biggest things to help us continue to do what we love to do. So go join your local chapters, uh, Oregon Hunters, Oregon Wild Sheep Foundation. Um, we'd love to have you on. If you're from Oregon and you're hearing this, uh, reach out to me. I'd love to talk, you, talk to you about wild sheep and how you can become a member at our chapter. So um, you can get a hold of me personally via email or uh reach out to me on social media hunting with marcus um but do join your chapters um take care of your wildlife and uh, make it sustainable for the future so your children and your children's children have the opportunity that you have now man i'm a little upset you didn't even mention pope and young that pope and a, young too that was uh, <laughs> you've already ruined it now this is bear archery this is bear archery podcast <laughs> you, gave, you gave such a great plug for conservation and uh you know that's actually how we met you won one of our raffles for pope and young and that uh, was my wife she's going hunt. on that pronghorn hunt i bought those tickets for her now we're, we're going with bear track uh we're going with bear track outfitters in uh wyoming here in october that right before my shoulder surgery my wife's going on a pronghorn hunt because of you guys so i'm I'm so thankful for pope and young um they gave us an opportunity to win a raffle uh we bought you know i think we bought eight raffle tickets and and my wife won the raffle and we're going hunt with them so look out for pope and young too i mean they're doing raffles all the time they're raising money for conservation um you know for archery hunters which bear archery and pope and young align very well you know take care of your pope and young folks uh, without them we wouldn't have the ability to do what we do as often so you know we have to think about these conservation organizations and what they do to fight for us at our uh state uh legislatures at our uh, government uh, and national legislatures 
and 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 just uh, defending our ability to do what we do and what we enjoy to do as Americans in this country. So make sure you take care of Pope and Young. Make sure you take care of you know all of your other folks, your Rocky Mountain Elks, your Wild Sheep Foundations. You know all those. If you enjoy doing those and you ever have a passion or want to do any of these things, you know be a part of it. Help those grow pass those down. And, and I'm a big advocate for getting children into the outdoors. Uh, you know, Alaska is working with some, uh, getting kids outdoors right now. And I can't wait to bid up some items. I can't wait to hopefully win a caribou hunt with them. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of folks who are doing a lot of great things for the conservation. So folks get into it, take care of the future. You know, a little bit of money now goes a long way in the future. So, you know, take care of your children and your children's children. You're absolutely correct, man. And uh, I was just giving you a hard time, but because there are so many out there that do so many great things and, uh, you know, we, we could we could go for hours naming conservation agencies and not get them all, um, yep. you know, because I've got some good friends over at, at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And, yep. uh, you know, there's actually great folks. There's actually a guy in my hometown who who works for uh, NWTF and and you've yep. got the NDA and you've got, you know, I mean, all of these, all of these vital conservation agencies and, and we could literally go for hours and we would miss some Boone and Crockett, um, spoon and crock pot. Um, hopefully you caught that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I got a shirt for Christmas from my mom. It says spoon and crock pot club. It's got a fork and horn <laughs> on it and it says killing tomorrow's trophies today. And, uh, and my mom said, I don't know if your employer will like this much. And I said, no, love my it. employer will love that. Yes. Uh, we give Queen and Crockett a hard time all the time. All uh, the time. But no, uh, there, there really are so many great conservation agencies out there. And I understand uh, that you can't support them all. So find some and get plugged in and, uh, and become members and become supporters of those. Uh, but guys, again, Thank you so much for tuning in, Marcus. Thank you so much for coming on. You guys have a great week out there. Uh, let me do mention Bear Archery is doing a giveaway right now for a first edition, uh, number one of 50 on their 50th anniversary takedowns, signed by Mr. Fred Eichler himself. Um, so go check out that giveaway on Bear Archery, Fred Eichler social media, um, because that would be an incredible bow to have, number one of 50, and it is signed by Fred Eichler himself. So go check that out. But guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a great week.